This morning, we continue our sermon series called The Witnesses, The Journey to Easter. Easter is a couple Sundays away, so in the sermon series, we're going to prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord as we journey towards Easter. And my theme is taking a character in the New Testament and us looking at that particular character that was involved in the Easter story. And last week we looked at the Apostle Peter, Simon Peter. He was a prominent figure in the Easter story. And this morning we're going to look at another prominent figure, well, I think is a prominent figure in the Easter story, and we're going to see how uh, this person relates to our life. Lord, I pray that you add the blessing to the preaching of your word. And let everything that's been said today bring you the glory. Let our ears and hearts be open to receive from you. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Hear the word of the Lord from the book of Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse number 15. Matthew 27 verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said to them, Which of these two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And they said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, what evil has he done? But they cried out even more, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail, but rather an uprising was coming, he took some water and washed his hands before the multitude saying, I am innocent of this man's blood, of this just man. And all the people answered and said, Let his blood be upon us and our children. Then they released Barabbas to them. When they have scourged Jesus, they delivered him to be crucified. Today, for a few moments, I want to look on verse number 19, and we're going to look at Pilate's wife. Verse 19, Pilate's wife. Pilate's wife. You know, as I continue this sermon series this morning, As we look at different characters that's found in this story, it's interesting to me that each of these characters have something to contribute to the meaning of Easter. And sometimes when we think of Easter, we think of Barabbas, we think of Pilate, we think of Jesus and the two thieves, we think of the resurrection and Mary who ran to the tomb, we think of the angels. And all of those things are good, and all of those things are important. But if you will take a few moments and dig deeper into the narrative, and dig deeper into the text, you will find some things that is interesting. 
Sometimes if you read the Bible, you don't get it. Sometimes you got to read the Bible. And remember, I've been challenging you as a church to read the Bible. Make sure that you get an app and let the Bible read to you. Make sure it's a daily discipline in your life because the Bible has the potential to change your life. And as you read the Bible, not just read it, but really read it, you will find some things that's interesting. And all my years of study and preaching Easter sermons, I'm not sure if I ever preached a sermon about Pilate's wife. Now, Pilate's wife is an interesting character here, but not much is mentioned about her. I want you to see verse 19, and they're going to leave it up there for just a moment. And this is all the Scripture says about her, about Pilate's wife. This is it. One Scripture, and I want you to see. Pilate, the Bible says, is sitting on the judgment seat, and his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with this just man. For I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Now, out of all the people that I could have chosen to talk about, I've chosen to talk about Pilate's wife. It's interesting that she doesn't even have a name in the story. There's no name that's mentioned. Only one verse is given to her. The writer of the book of Matthew, which I believe is Matthew, probably don't think it's important to give this woman a name. What Matthew is simply trying to say is God is trying to intervene and get Pilate's attention. God was trying to get Pilate's attention. And we know in the story that Pilate rejected the attention that God was trying to give him. God was trying to wake Pilate up and send him a supernatural message. And Pilate absolutely ignored the message. Pilate's wife, her name isn't mentioned here. This is the only scripture that's given to her. But if you study her life and you look in church history, you'll find some significant things about her life that I believe that relates to your life and relates to my life today. Let me give you a little background. She's married to Pilate. And you may say, well, who in the world is Pilate? Well, Pilate is a prominent figure in the Easter story. And the Bible tells us that Pilate is a governor in the Roman providence. I said this this morning in my class, that Rome was the superpower of the world in the day and the age that Jesus Christ lived in. And Pilate is a governor in the Roman providence. And Pilate is known to be a judge in in Jesus' case. In fact, the scripture tells us that Pilate is the governor of Judea and he is serving under the emperor Tiberius. He answers to Rome. So in other words, what I want you to see here is that Pilate is just a puppet for Rome. Pilate is just a puppet for Rome. He is serving Rome as a governor. And he is presiding over the trial of Jesus. And we also know that Pilate ordered the execution of Jesus Christ to a Roman cross. Jesus died on a Roman cross, not a Jewish cross. He died by the hands of the Romans and the Jewish leaders. Now, there are different opinions about Pilate. Some people believe in history that Pilate was a competent, efficient leader. His rulership was good. Other people believe that he was a brutal leader and had no mercy for the Jewish people. It doesn't really matter what kind of a leader he is. It seems to be that he had an okay relationship with his wife. His wife sends him 
a message and says to Pilate, I don't want you, you don't need to have anything to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things because of this man. This woman had a dream. This woman dreamed something about Jesus Christ. And this dream was so disturbing that she had to get the message to Pilate. Now what I want you to see in this text is that Pilate is sitting on the judgment seat. Look at it. And when he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him saying, have nothing to do with this just man. It's interesting to me that God was trying to intervene at the right time, at the right time, at a particular time in history, God was trying to intervene. Right when Pilate sat down to judge Jesus, a message was sent to Pilate. I want to let you know today that we serve a right-on-time God. God always shows up at the right time, at the right place. When you think that all hope is gone, and you think that there is no hope, I want to remind you that there is hope beyond the scope of every human limitation. God loved Pilate. And just because it was God's will for Jesus to die on the cross, that doesn't mean that Pilate needed to participate in the act. God was trying to save Pilate from this reputation. God was trying to save Pilate from having blood on his hands. God was trying to intervene in history and wake Pilate up. And God used the most important person to Pilate. He used his wife and sent him a message. And God was trying to intervene. Right when Pilate sat down to judge is when the message was sent to him. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but we serve a God that always shows up right at the nick of time. He's never too early and he's never too late. He always comes at the right time. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, I thank Jesus that we serve a God that shows up at the right time. Now, whether you obey it or whether you don't obey it is left up to you, but you see God's timing in this scripture. You see how God intervened at the time, at the right time to get Pilate's attention. You see, the woman said she sent a message to her husband. Now, the reason that she sent a message to her husband is because of this. Women could not be involved in the legal affairs of the Roman Senate. They couldn't be involved with the legal trials that Rome would perform. So women could not show their face. And most importantly, women usually had to veil them fa their face in Roman culture and also in, in some Jewish aspects. So here, this woman, who is unnamed, could not go to her husband. She couldn't have a private meeting with him. So somehow she sends a message through a servant to her husband. And this servant delivers a message to Pilate, and the message says, don't have anything to do with this just man. I've had a dream, and this dream has been very disturbing to me. You see, Rome or the Romans taught that the gods communicated to humans through dreams. And so this woman, even though she was a pagan, even though this woman was not a Christian, she did not believe in the Jewish law. She wasn't following the law of Moses. She was a pagan. She was with Pilate. They served the Roman gods. 
And she believed that the gods were sending her a message. But what she failed to realize, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't the gods that was sending her a message. It was the God and the only God that was sending her a message. I'm about to shout up in this Pentecostal church. Can I let you all know something? God will send messages through pagan people. He will send messages through sinners just to get your attention. God loves you so much that even if he has to use an unsaved person, he loves you so much, he'll make sure that you get the message just in time. God said, I love Pilate so much. I'm going to make sure he gets this message very quickly. She said, I've, I've suffered many things in this dream. Have you ever thought about what kind of dream she had? I mean, the scripture says, she said, I've suffered many things today in a dream because of this man. It's interesting to me that Pilate's wife said that he is a just man. In the Greek, it's the word for innocent. This is an innocent man. And I want all the women to shout when I tell you this. This is the only woman in the New Testament that ever spoke up for the innocence of Jesus. This is the only woman. This is the only woman in the whole New Testament that ever spoke up for the innocence of Jesus. And God used a pagan woman to send a message to her husband. Say, this man is innocent. But the Bible says that she suffered many things today. In other words... It's implied that Pilate got up early that morning and went to judge while she slept in. When I thought about that, I was like, well, thank you, Jesus. Can somebody say amen? She was sleeping in. She fell into a dream. Wonder what the dream was. One church historian, Tertullian, said, maybe she had a dream of Jesus being crucified by Roman authority. Or maybe she had a dream that Jesus was sitting on the judgment seat instead of her husband. Maybe she had a dream where this Jesus was sitting with the angels of heaven. Or maybe she had a dream where she saw this man flogged and whipped and his beard plucked from his face and was put in a borrowed tomb. But three days later, an angel descended from heaven, rolled back the stone, and he got up out of the grave singing, there ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Maybe she saw that Jesus was the victor in this situation and not necessarily the victim. But whatever dream she had, this dream disturbed her so bad she couldn't shake it. She said in the message, I have suffered many things in this dream. I've suffered because of this dream. Let me just break it down to you today. Jesus will trouble you. Jesus will trouble your life. This woman was troubled because of a dream about Jesus. And my friends, that's how Jesus works. Jesus will trouble you. 
you'll feel a nudge in your heart. And it will pull you to a place where you know you need to be. Jesus will trouble you. You'll drive down the road in your car and instantly you'll hear a worship song and a tear will fall down your cheek because Jesus is troubling your spirit. You'll stand in a church service and you don't know what's going on as tears fall down your cheek and you feel as though you're shaking because Jesus said, my message will trouble you. You remember what Jesus said to his followers? Do not think I have not come to bring a sword, but I have, I have not come to bring peace, but I've come to bring a sword. Jesus' message divides. Jesus' message is not comfortable. Sometimes Jesus' messages will trouble us. But I don't know about you folks. I want Jesus to trouble me because I don't want to be lost in the end. I want Jesus to trouble me. I don't want to be lost in the end. Maybe today you're sitting in church and you get troubled. You feel nudge at your heart. Maybe I do need to join the class. Maybe I do need to learn. Maybe I do need to be faithful to church. Maybe I do need to start giving faithfully. Maybe I need to straighten my attitude up. And maybe I need, I feel a nudge. Jesus is troubling me. You remember what the church in Revelation said? Behold, he stands at the door and knocks. He desires to come in and sup with you. Sometimes Jesus' message will trouble you. You see, I don't know much about this woman, but let's just speculate. Maybe this woman saw Jesus. Oh, she was living in the Roman providence. And most everybody knew about Jesus. They saw Jesus heal the sick and raise the dead. And most of them heard Jesus' message. Could it be that Pilate's wife was in the crowd that day when Jesus healed the lepers? Maybe she was in the crowd when Jesus fed the 5,000. Maybe Jesus saw her. Maybe she was a secret disciple. And that night, she knew that Jesus was going to go on trial the next day. Maybe God was troubling Pilate's wife, wooing her. Come over here. Abandon your gods. Come over. I've suffered many things today because of this just man. You see, that's what God does. God will trouble you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Look at me. You know what I'm talking about. Because you feel that urge, feel that pull in your heart to want to serve God. Even when you find yourself in failure, even when you find yourself in a mess, you, you can honestly say, Pastor, I can't stay there. I can't even be happy in my sin because God is troubling me to serve him. 
That's why the most miserable people in the world is people that God is troubling. They can't be happy in their sin, and they can't be happy in church because they're not giving their 100%. They're just miserable. Well, guess what? He loves you so much, he's going to keep troubling you. You see, you got to be number one. You got to be sensitive to the cues that God gives you. She had a dream, she went to Pilate. She was sensitive to the cues that was around her. And let me tell you something. God is always sending a message. We have to be sensitive to the cues that's around us. Number two, what I can learn from this story is don't let the pressure of the mob rule your heart. Now, she went to her husband, gave the message to her husband. She couldn't see her husband. Women wasn't allowed to be there at the judgment seat, so she sent a message and said, I've been troubled over this dream. But what does Pilate do? Well, this is what Pilate does as a result of receiving this dream from his wife. Look at verse number 20. Right after, he receives the message, verse 20, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So the multitudes is coaxing up, the the, the religious leaders are coaxing up the multitude for them to ask for Barabbas and to crucify Jesus. So there is the pressure of the mob. Now look at Pilate, verse 21. Then the governor answered, Pilate answered and said to them, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And they all said, crucify him. And Pilate said, well, what evil has he done? You see what Pilate's doing? Pilate is seesawing back and forth. Pilate knows my wife is a good woman. She sent me a message for me not to do nothing with this innocent man. But yet I feel the pressure of the mob. I feel the pressure of these religious leaders. Do you hear it in Pilate's voice? What evil has he done? Inwardly, Pilate is thinking, come on, folks, let go of Jesus. He's innocent. What evil has he done? But all the more they cried, crucify him. Crucify him. Verse 24, but when Pilate saw that he could not prevail, he saw he could not prevail, and he was fearful that there would be an uprising in Rome. Hold on, folks. Why was Pilate fearful? Because his job was at stake. He answered to the emperor. And if there was an uprising in Rome as a result of Jesus under Pilate's trial, then Pilate could lose his income and lose his job. Pilate felt the pressure of those religious leaders. Pilate felt the pressure of the multitudes. And he disregarded the message of his wife. Verse 24, when he saw that he could not prevail, he took some water and he washed his hands and said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. Verse 25, and all the people said, let his blood be upon us. But folks, Pilate is a coward. 
Because even though Pilate washed his hands in water, he could not wash the blood off of his hands. Pilate is a coward because he gave in to the multitude. He's a coward because he gave in to the religious leaders. Now listen, it was the will of God for Jesus to go to the cross. And there's nothing we can do for that. But that doesn't mean that Pilate had to participate. God was intervening to Pilate. God sent a message to Pilate. God was giving Pilate a second chance not to be involved in the crucifixion of an innocent man. But Pilate was a coward because he kept going back and forth. He's an innocent man. What has he done? He said to the people, what evil has this man done? And the more the crowd cried, crucify him, give us Barabbas. Can you feel the pain of Pilate's heart? Can you feel the tug at his heart? My wife is saying he's an innocent man. She suffered. But the crowd wants to crucify him. I don't know what to do. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wash my hands and let it publicly be known I'm going to be innocent of it. But he allowed the crucifixion to occur. He gave Jesus over to the multitudes. He was a coward in the end. My friends, he compromised in the end. He compromised in the end. And I want to say this and say it loud and clear. God has not called you to compromise on your stance in the faith. He's called you to be strong no matter what the pressure of society may say. No matter how strong the crowd may be, no matter how loud their voices may be, no matter how persuasive the crowd may be, my friends, you got to be strong against the crowd. Can I hear an amen this morning? I said you got to be strong against the crowd. You can't fall into the pressure of the mob. You can't give in to the crowd. You must endure the pressure of the crowd, and you must remain strong. Have you ever thought about the early church? They were strong. They never gave in to the pressure of the crowd, and they never gave in to the pressure of society. They were strong. They never compromised. In fact, nothing stopped them. They were vigilant and strong. That's the testimony of the church. No beatings stopped the early church. No jails stopped them. No dungeons stopped them. No threatening stopped them. No sword. No burning at the stake. No stones. No famines. No persecutions. No distress. No shipwrecks. No weariness. No hunger. No thirst. No cold. No nakedness. No racial barrier. No social barrier. No Herod. No Caesar. No Pilate. No Nero. Nothing stopped the early church. They never stopped. They never turned back. They never quit. They kept on, kept it on because they were fueled by the conviction that Jesus is who he said he was. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. The Bible says in Luke 6, verse 62, but Jesus said unto them, having no one, having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you today, you can't give in to the pressure of the crowd you can't give into the pressure of the multitudes. 
you got to stand strong against the culture of this world. And you got to make a decision that you will not flinch in the face of adversity. You will not hesitate in the presence of adversity. You will not negotiate at the table of the enemy. And you will not ponder at the pool of popularity. You will not give up. You will not shut up. You will not back down. You will not be satisfied by the culture. You cannot be bought. You cannot be compromised. You cannot be detoured. You can't be lured away. You will not turn back. You will not be delayed. You are steadfast in what you know to be true. And Pilate, in the end, was a coward because Pilate gave in to the multitudes. Folks, are you listening to me? I have pastored for 20 years, and a lot of people compromised their faith in the end. In the end, they compromise it. Flip on Facebook, people living lives that's contrary to God's Word. People who have forsaken the faith, apostatized their faith, and left the church because of hurt. In the end, they were a coward. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, are you going to walk away too? And Peter said, Lord, I can't walk away. You have the words of eternal life. My friends, we can't walk away. At the hour that we are living in, we cannot walk away because there's only one person that has the words of eternal life, and that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm telling you today, in closing, I want to ask you a question. That night, when Pilate went home and he crawled in bed with his wife, What was the conversation? What did she say to him? What did Pilate say back to her? I don't know. Maybe he crawled in bed and she was facing the other way. He turned around and tapped her on the shoulder. Slightly caressed her arm. He could hear her sniffling. What's wrong, honey? I thought I told you. He was an innocent man. Suffered so much. Maybe he said, sweetie, I had to do it. Because if I don't do it, the emperor will take my job, my covenant. Isn't that the American culture? You love your job more than you love the Word of God. Baby, I can't. I got to keep my job. I had to do it. 
I had to hand him over. I had to. In the end, Pilate sold his soul out because he had to keep his reputation. He had to have a good name for Emperor Tiberius. He wanted to hear the praises of the emperor. How well you kept control in the Roman providence. You see, Jesus can trouble you. But in the end, you're the one that makes the decision. You see, history tells me there's some apocalyptic writing that we don't deem as scripture, but it's interesting. And it's been verified by the second or third century church and by some of the early church fathers, especially Origen and Tortillian, gives a reference to Pilate and his wife, actually. Interesting. One of the apocalyptic writing is the Acts of Pilate. We don't deem that as scripture necessarily. It's just historical writing. And in both of these cases, the two early church fathers and the Acts of Pilate, it gives her name as Claudia. It was consistent in the early church records that we have. Her name was considered Claudia. The Eastern Orthodox Church deems Claudia as a saint because history tells us, not Scripture, but history tells us that Claudia became a Christian. Pilate's wife became a Christian after the death of Pilate. History tells us that Pilate became possessed by demons. History tells us that Pilate would stand in front of water with tears in his face, washing his hands over and over and over and over because all he saw was blood on his hands. History says that Pilate committed suicide. And after that, his wife converted to Christianity and became a disciple in the early church. Most theologians believe that 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 21 alludes to Claudia. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 21, Paul is given a list of saints and is praising these people for their generosity and support of the ministry. And Claudia is mentioned here. Most theologians believe that this is Pilate's wife who became an avid believer and an avid Christian after the death of her husband, Pilate. Whether this is true or not is to be seen, but there's strong evidence to suggest the fact. If it is true, then Claudia became a prominent member of the Christian church. The only woman in the New Testament to stand up for the identity and the innocence of Jesus. You don't, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit said to me. Your name doesn't need to be in lights for you to make a difference. I'm going to say that again. Your name doesn't need to be in lights for you to make a difference in life. If you're waiting for your name to be in lights, you'll never make a difference. Your name doesn't have to be in lights for you to make a difference. She made a difference even when her name wasn't even mentioned. I guess the question is this, in Matthew 27, verse 22, after Pilate heard the dream, he said to the crowd, 
then what shall I do with Jesus? I don't know, Pilate. What are you going to do with him? Pilate, he's troubled you all morning. What are you going to do? My friends, what are you going to do with Jesus? He's been troubling you for a long time. Are you going to submit yourself to him? Are you going to give yourself completely to him? 